Science Genius Girls. It's our Sunday afternoon podcast. Woo-hoo. We just got back from a cool little field trip to the Tech Museum in San Jose. It was a beautiful day downtown San Jose today. Yes, it was. It was great. And Suzanne and I tapped into our inner 10-year-old child and ran around <laughs> the museum like <laughs> yes, crazy. Yes, so we're going to tell you all about it. And we're also going, we have three news stories to share with you today, all very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, for all of you graduate students slash science experiment buffs, um, we have a special invitation for you at the end of the show, so you need to stick around and listen yeah, to it. Yeah, I think you guys will get a, a kick out of it. So. Yes. Does that tantalize you? Yeah. <laughs> it's a tease. <laughs> we're teasing you. <laughs> yes. So stick around. Yeah, you guys will like it. So cool. Okay, so should we talk about the Tech yes. Museum? So we started off, there's three levels, and it wasn't as big as we thought it was going to be size-wise, but they packed in a lot of fun things for people to do, and I think it's for, you know, kids of all ages, as the cliche goes. I think yeah. it's geared for kids, but they had all sorts of stuff. They had stuff about DNA, um, microchips, like silicon chips. They yeah. had... Oh, they had something about breast implants, which yeah. I thought was very odd. And I happened to hit the breast. Okay, so there was like a, <laughs> like a fake man or person. I don't. I guess it was a woman um, <laughs> lying on the table, and you could press buttons on different parts of the body. Yeah. And see actual an actual operation on this TV screen next to it. Okay. So there was like you know operation for an artificial hip, operation for a shoulder replacement, whatever. Okay, fine. I can handle that. But just as I hit the breast implant button, a group of four guys walked up to Oh, god! It's like, now we will talk about silicon breast implants. I was like, no! So I tried to hit a button to stop it, and it wouldn't stop, and I walked away, and I was like, I can't watch this in front of these boys. I know. That's just embarrassing. Oh, but it's fun. It's... Yeah, you explored that one. I looked at, um, in the space one, they also had a, on the side, they had this earthquake thing, and you could design a building made out of different materials, so I was really excited about that. Oh, yeah, wow. like it was just a computer simulation, but you could desi- design a different, like all these different buildings. So you could do brick or reinforced concrete, or you could make your own material by deciding the, the damping and the stiffness of the material. So did you do that? Yeah, so I did Since that. Since you're a material yeah. scientist. <laughs> so I just went, because I was like, brick is bad, and I, knew, I know that reinforced concrete is fine, but I wanted to see what would happen if you messed around with all the other scales. And then you can test different earthquakes on it and see if it breaks. And then if it breaks, it shakes, and then it just sort of crumbles into dust. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. So I figured out if you use a damping factor of 0.5 and a stiffness factor of 0.5, you're good till about um, 8 on the Richter scale. Wow. Yeah, so that was pretty good. We I should think. publish your results. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have my first nature paper. Nature. Beautiful. <laughs> And then you'll win a prize, like a Ooh. Nobel Prize. And then I'll be rich. Dr. D.T. Rizbud, you can buy your Beamer and your That's like right. vacation house in the Virgin Islands. That'd be so cool. I think if I won the Nobel Prize, I'd just wear it like a medallion around my <laughs> neck everywhere I went. Because <laughs> you won a Nobel Prize, and pretty much for the rest of your life, <laughs> there's nothing else like you could like do. like a rapper <laughs> from VH1. Yeah. I've got my bling. <laughs> Yeah, it would be fun. Because what else in your life are you going to do after you win a Nobel Prize? Probably nothing that's going to top the Nobel Prize. It would so. be hard if you won when you were young, though. I know. I know. You a lot of pressure to top that. Yeah. Maybe that's why they hand them out to people, like, decades after they've actually done their work. So they don't get all depressed thinking, yeah. wow, I was a one-hit wonder. I was a one-hit wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I was flavor flavor. 
Flav of Flav. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I saw that show. He's wearing like a giant clock. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we're going on a tangent. <laughs> but anyway, it was, yeah. I saw Aerogel Ooh. in the section on space. Yeah. And I just stared at it. Like, there was a woman standing next to me, and I think she thought I was going to move, but I was so entranced <laughs> by this aerogel. It was a solid, but you can see through it. And we talked about it on one of our first shows, and I was yeah. like, somebody needs to send me some, some aerogel. aerogel. And actually, it was in a little container mm-hmm. with the NASA symbol on it. And nice. I was thinking, you know, hey, all it takes is one little container of aerogel. If somebody's got it, yeah, send it my will. way. That's true. You guys should also go back and listen to that episode again. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah. But this is the 10th episode. I mean, hey, if you're bored, Woo-hoo! you could have like a Science Genius Girls marathon. It would be fun. It would be fun. Yeah. And you could email us and tell us how we've improved. Because <laughs> we think we have. We think we have. <laughs> What so, else did we see? So there's a space thing, right, where you saw the aerogel. You could weigh yourself and see how, how much you weighed on the moon. And was it Jupiter or Mars or something? Oh, I only tried the moon. Okay. I didn't know you could switch it. No, it was a different one. Oh, like, I that see. Like, on same station. Yeah, well, I think it was made for kids, so the top number was, like, nine. Yeah. And mine was, like, way above that. <laughs> so I got a little depressed, but then I reminded myself I'm not five years old right. anymore, so I'm going to weigh a little bit more, even on the moon. Right. You're good. You're good. I'm okay. Yeah, so that was fun. What else did we look at? The whole first one was, it was weird. It was like they had a clean room and all these fun yeah, for, microchip things. Yeah, microchips. And they had like, a microscope that you could look in. You could see some of the first microchips they've ever made. And then some of the more recent, like the Pentium yeah. processor microchip. Is right. that what it is? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I was just so entranced by that. I couldn't stop looking at it. <laughs> it was cool. People kept walking in. I was like, ooh, microscopes. Yeah. And having already spent time in a clean room, I was like, okay, clean room. But they tried to make it look really cool. And they did, because yeah. it looks like you have to wear a suit. Like yeah. a full, did you have to wear a suit? I never, I, I had to wear like the, the hairnet thingy and the little booties and then the zip up bunny suit, but not the like. You wore a bunny suit? Yeah, for oh. a few times where I had to do some tests on my on my material. Was it a static resistant bunny suit? It was a static resistant bunny huh. suit. But our, I think our clean room was, what is it, like class. So the classes in clean rooms, I think, go from. Higher numbers to lower numbers, so it'll be like 10,000, 10, but it's actually the lower the number is, the cleaner the clean room is because it's the number of particles per square inch Whoa. or square centimeter okay. that you can have in there. So we had like, <laughs> our clean room was pretty, pretty ghetto. No no offense, Santa Barbara. Oh, now they have a brand new, You really have not nice seen a ghetto room. clean room. <laughs> our clean room. I don't know if it's really possible to have a really, really clean room when you're dealing with rocks and yeah. all dust. Right, how would that even work? Yeah. I don't know, the clean room was kind of not that clean. Yeah. But anyway. But anyway, it was fun to put on the jumpsuit and the booties, but you get really sweaty. Like, I can't, I'm really lucky that I only had to be in there for like two weeks, but people who have to do their whole... I thought you were going to say, I'm really lucky I don't sweat. <laughs> no, yeah. I glow. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, if people have to do their whole PhD project or whatever thesis project in the clean room, that'd be really frustrating because you get all sweaty inside, but... That you can't, you know, they're not really breathable fabrics. Okay. And your gloves get all sweaty from the inside. Okay, I've experienced sweaty gloves. Yeah, syndrome. like the latex gets And all... then your skin starts itching a little bit. Like, even if you're not allergic to it, it's just kind of... Eek. It's got this weird powder on them. I know. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, but, you know, for people who haven't seen it before, it's interesting to just look at that and see the little lockers. You know, that was cute. They tried yeah. to make it look really good. And Oh, and the other cool thing Suzanne and I both did was get our, our heads scanned. Yes. So you want to tell them about that? Well, 
Yes, I walked into the head scan area and I had no idea what it was. I just saw a Didi and I was like, there's a Didi. And so I walked in and I got stopped by this like 15-year-old boy. He's like, would you like to have your head scanned? And I said, um, okay. So I sat down and there's this like scanner that just rotates around your head twice and takes a picture. And then they gave us this little card. Um, and I guess yeah. like you just, I don't know. What does it do? So, it oh, so you scans, put it yeah. against the scanner, and then we were able to see our heads on a computer screen? Yeah. And then it saved it, and now I can go online. And, and play see. around with it. Yeah. That's so cool. It's, and it's like a, a 3D rendering of your head, and you can change the colors and make it look like, you know, like your head's made out of marble, or, you know, it does your, your whole, I think it was like our hair and our face and the I'm whole going profile. to commission a bust of myself. Oh, you should. From this. this would be excellent. <laughs> marble, perhaps? <laughs> Well, marble has issues with acid rain. Oh, okay. But granite's too hard. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I Maybe might. I'll just make it out of clay. <laughs> Plaster of Paris, perhaps. Oh, my phone's oh, ringing. Your We're phone's just going ringing. to ignore that, yes, everybody. We'll ignore that. <laughs> so, yeah, the Tech Museum popular. was fun, and I think, I don't know what the price is for kids. Did they have a, they didn't have a student rate, right? I, didn't I don't see think one. so. It was just like $10 yeah. for adults, I think $5 for kids or something. It's a lot of fun. But I was impressed because they really managed to um, gear it for all ages, not just kids. Right. I mean, some of the stuff was pretty high tech, but yeah. at the same time, the kids were looking at it. Exactly. So yeah. So I think that it... shows, like, you don't have to dumb stuff down for kids. They're naturally curious and they're going to pay attention. And also, these little scanning cards that we got for the, um, for the head scan thing, you could... <clears throat> there were other things you could do in the museum, like they had this thing where they would take a picture of you and show your body temperature, right. like different parts of your body, like your arms and your core, mm -hmm. and so you could save that picture on your little scanning card, and I think there were 10 stops that you could right. save stuff on your card and then look it up online later. Right, yeah. So that gets kids to like go all around the museum and not just, you know, yeah, walk no. in, see something and be like, I want to go home! <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I, I appreciate that they didn't dumb down the science too. That was really cool. <laughs> you have a message! I have a message! It's probably Trent. Okay, I'm done now. Okay, <laughs> no, no, it's okay, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, so we recommend if you guys are in the Bay Area at all or are planning on visiting out here, it's definitely some place you should stop in, in San Jose is the Tech Museum. It was fun. Yeah, it was really neat. It. Yeah, it was cool. And there's free parking, which is always nice. Free parking on the weekends. On the weekends, I yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So it was really neat. That was cool. And fun, and I felt like I was 10 years old, and I like that because yeah. I generally act like I'm 10 years old. <laughs> Me too. So that was great. Cool. So, yeah. So, should we move on to some news? Yes, let's. Some fascinating news. Why don't we start with the whole species thing? Ooh, species. Species. Yeah. Like animals and insects and things. Yeah, totally. Totally awesome <laughs> with the species. <laughs> so, here's the issue, folks. Next week, they're going to be meeting. The UN will ha be having a conference in Brazil to figure out how to slow the loss of species. Because we, as we all know, you know, things are going extinct, temperatures are rising, right. even though some people don't want to believe that, but they are. <laughs> and this is all interconnected. And so in 2002, the UN agreed to, re <laughs> agreed to reduce the rate of extinction. <laughs> the only problem is they don't even know how many species there are. So it's a little hard to measure right. the rate of extinction when you don't even know how many species you started with. Yeah. So it says here, um, this was a CNN.com article, actually a Reuters article on CNN.com, and 
It says, some people who study insects think there may be as many as 100 million species out there, but if you took a poll of biologists, most would say they're around 15 million. I love taking polls of biologists. I it's always do. I often take polls of biologists. <laughs> so, <laughs> inside joke, gay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, no one really knows. That's okay, Dee. Oh, okay. It's funny. Yeah. I'm laughing. Okay. <laughs> No one really knows, and it's not so much the mammals. I mean, I think people, there might be a few mammals out there that people aren't really you know, aware of. Right. But it's more like spiders and fish and things like that right. that we just haven't discovered yet. And so yeah. we have no way of knowing. And so, you know, there could be something out there that goes extinct next week, and we just never even knew even about know. it. And you were saying of that, I was reading that of that 10, 10 million or 15 million, what was it, 15 million? Yeah. That they've only discovered... Or we've only discovered at 1.7 oh, million yeah. or something. We, so that's 10%. I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's really low. So, hmm, that's kind of a problem. And so they yeah. by 2010, they want to reduce the rate of extinction. <laughs> Which they don't know. This just seems to have a lot of problems. Yeah. I'm not really sure how this is going to work. I mean, I think it's a great idea, but wow, that's a big goal, 2010. Yeah, it's already 2006. I mean, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> you better get on that, UN. And then they're talking about how um, if you look at species over time, like 99% of them have gone extinct. Ooh. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, but that's also because, I mean, they make it sound like everything is, you know, related to the sort of thing we're seeing now with the global warming, but right. like meteorite impacts, I mean, there's a huge amount of extinction when a meteor right. hits the Earth, which has happened like at least five or six times in Earth's history, and so massive amounts of animals and insects, whatever, have gone extinct. And right. So and that's then, part yeah, of it that's too, and like they don't really out. mention right. it. That they don't mention that in here. Okay. Oh, that's true. That'll that'll kind of <laughs> tip the scales a little if yeah. you just have a complete wipeout every yeah years. one scientist said it's a truly lousy survival record a 99 percent failure rate well <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's gonna happen yeah so let's just <laughs> give up now that's right unless we send ben affleck and and bruce willis up to yes we'll send them up to the meteorite and they will implant a nuclear a nuclear bomb and then <laughs> blow it up we talked about this last yeah. week yeah oh. wow sorry we're just fixated on <laughs> Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, so dreamy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but it is interesting about the species, and it seems like we're just saying that species in general have just been in the news a lot lately. Like they're finding all these different fossils, and it's kind of a cool, yeah. cool time for learning more about species, species, and <laughs> evolution. <laughs> it's true. That's what say. Yeah, it is cool. All right. So, should we talk next about? Let's uh, talk about the light pollution story. Okay, it's yeah. Kind of related. Okay. Um, apparently, I say the word apparently a lot. I was listening to this yeah. on our podcast. I'm, I'm always like, well, apparently. Huh. And then I say it like five more times in the course of the podcast. Nice. That's wow. just my word, people. That's okay? all right. It's okay. Everybody has their thing. Yeah. At least it's not a swear word. <laughs> Please, let's keep it clean, Adini. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm always having to rein her in. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Vegas, baby. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> okay, well, these scientists have done a study showing that light from urban areas is causing problems in very remote areas. So hmm. even 150 miles away from Vegas, <clears throat> you see light from the city, and it's, 
causing some species what? <laughs> of snakes and salamanders and other animals to actually move to darker areas. So it's wow. affecting their lives because, hey, all of a sudden, whoa, it's bright out here, folks. Oh We're going to have to move. Yeah, that's I'm going sad. blind at night. Yeah, so Aww. it's affecting a lot of species of animals. And so they're taking pictures of supposedly wilderness areas at night. Uh, with a special camera and actually seeing that there's a lot of light there. Wow. And so you might not be able to see the buildings from Las Vegas, but you can still see you the light see 150 the light. miles away. So in Death Valley, wow, you can see it. That's really far. I wonder, God, can you imagine how much the amount of light pollution then? Or just the amount of lighting in general? It's I mean, I know Vegas crazy. is bright, but that's insane. kind of bums me out. Yeah. You think you're in a dark area, but... You're actually no, not. Then if you went to like the middle of the Sahara Desert or something, it would be very dark. Yeah, but not in Death Valley. I mean, yeah, you'd think. Right. Hmm, that's really interesting. I could make a bad pun here, but I won't. Oh, do it. Do it. Bad pun pun. I was going to say, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. Oh, yeah. oh see, I think everyone appreciated that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a neat story. I wonder how they thought to do this research. It's just. A lot of these things we read, I'm like, ooh, I wish I had What inspired that. them to do this? Yeah. Maybe it was because, who were these people? Um, Chad Moore? Uh-huh. Okay, you need to say where Chad Moore is from. Chad Moore, where are you from? I don't really know. It doesn't oh. say it here. Or it says it further in the article. I don't know. Interesting. But it is just a neat study. Cool. Yeah. And they also did the study with salamanders. Um, I guess these people were in the middle of nowhere and they put up Christmas lights around some trees uh -huh. and then they had another site like further away without Christmas lights and so they they researched these red salamanders to see, see what it. would happen and the salamanders who had to deal with the Christmas lights were like, okay, we're moving. Wow. So yeah, they did like a little control study. And, yeah. yeah. And well, I mean, even cool. if an animal has to move, you know, like yeah. a few miles away, that's going to affect their lives and their reproduction and where they yeah. find their food so everything right. has an effect yeah oh that is fascinating and besides the fact which i mean as a geologist part of the fun is going out and being in a really really dark remote area and okay. not seeing any yeah. evidence of humanity <laughs> and you would think that in death valley that would be the case but yeah. oh look there are the lights of vegas uh, and vegas too like just that total opposite of right. what you're looking for in Death Valley. I don't want any of that there. No. So what's the darkest place you've ever been? Oh, the darkest place I've ever been. Ooh. It might be in, in the Arizona desert, I would guess, would be the darkest. Because I think we lived in Tucson, Arizona when I was a younger kid, and they don't allow any um, street lighting, I think, oh. because of the observatory that's nearby. And I remember driving out sometimes like with my parents because I was like seven <laughs> Not just me. Driving out on my bicycle <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the night. On my Harley, you know. <laughs> vroom, vroom. <laughs> yeah, just driving out and it would just be, I mean, you would see the mountains if there was the moon, but if the moon wasn't out, it seemed really dark. But as a kid, you know, I mean, yeah, I, don't, I can't think of anything else that's been that dark since then. I haven't been, well, oh, and then I guess when we went in the cave that one time. <laughs> for one of our little oh, field trips. Oh, we had to go in a cave for yeah. one of our classes. There's actually caves in Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah, and we had to do a descriptive writing exercise on, on what it's like being inside a cave in the 70s. 
sights and sounds in a cave. It's dark. Yeah. <laughs> but she wanted more description. Than right. That. <laughs> it's very dark. <laughs> really, really dark. Yeah. So how about you? Where's the darkest place you've ever been? I think it was in Montana. Ooh, maybe okay. about ten years ago. I was doing a dinosaur dig that oh, I mentioned before, right. and we were like, "Yeah, I guess it was eastern Montana on your boat." Um, no, eastern Montana. Yeah, I don't even know where it was. Anyway, mm-hmm. it was very dark, and we would go out at night, and there were, like, no lights. Because oh. they turned... It was a tiny, tiny, tiny town, and they would just turn off the streetlights at a certain time. Okay, right. So you go out to the middle of nowhere, and you could see the Milky Way. Oh, Which nice. is very hard to yeah. see in most places. I mean, I think you can see stars pretty well here in, in Santa Cruz, but it's really hard to see the Milky Way, and so we would go out there. And the longer you stay out there, the more stars you can see because your eyes adjust. Adjust. Nice. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and then when I was younger, I went to Margarita Island off the coast of Venezuela. Oh, wow. I won't get into why I was there. Okay. <laughs> but... Import, export. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about that part of my life okay. when I was 16. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but there were no lights at all because it, wow. it's kind of... Well, it struck me as a very remote and also kind of a poor place, and so right. we were we slept on the beach, and we oh, just watched wow. shooting stars all night long. Oh, you're so lucky. That's really it was, cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool experience. It was a long time ago. Rocking. Cool. Okay. So, so lights, yeah. Turn off your lights so I can see the stars. Yeah. That'd be cool. All right. Good story. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's finish up here with our last story, um, which is about light solar solar panels actually so there's this grad student good segue (laughs) light solar transitions what i'm good at (laughs) you're good (laughs) so there's this grad student at uc berkeley who is a he's a chemistry graduate student and he's actually come up with a way or is thinking of coming up with a way of rolling off solar panels like newspapers like just making it so cheap and you know making it accessible to a lot of poor economies not just I'm assuming not just in the industrialized world but all over and so he's thinking that it could serve as a role for cutting not just fuel fossil consumption but just expanding overall energy production too so I think the key problem right now in solar cells is that they are made out of I think it's Polysilicon usually okay. is what's used, but they're not. And it's expensive. Yeah, and it's expensive to make, and they're not. You know, they're not a very efficient way of making um, making light. I think it's something like a ten um, a ten percent solar to electricity conversion rate right now for the current solar. Okay, so that's cells. not very good. So it's no. only taking a little bit. Yeah, and actually and, doing something. Right, exactly. So the, you're putting more energy in, actually, probably at some point than what you would oh, be getting so it's kind out. Of a waste. <laughs> so it's kind of a waste eventually. So, but what this guy is saying is that <laughs> it's great. The high tech equivalent of a hail mary pass in football. <laughs> I like sports. And I know. <laughs> they make me happy. Um, that if you, uh, okay, break down cellulose to make ethanol and other carbon neutral fuels. You could eliminate, you know, America's need for foreign oil dependence and create a new market for sustainable agriculture. So that's sort of the overarching theme (laughs) of this guy's research. But what he's trying to do is create a material that is as efficient as the silicon solar or silicon-based solar panels. And right now, I think it's as 
it's like a three percent efficiency that he has to try to okay so he needs to really so he needs to bump it up but it's a good concept and it's this like simple test tube chemistry using inorganic materials that are way less expensive and that could be made on a really large scale so he's working at berkeley at this thing called the molecular foundry which is like this nanotechnology driven uh initiative i guess that came up last year where they want to not just make nanotech on like you know the stuff we saw today that was like you know very expensive like you need expensive equipment to make all these little circuits and devices and stuff but they want to make stuff that works on a really large scale that they could just we literally have like a foundry or like a factory that's just churning out nanotechnology based products so i think stuff that works but stuff that's cheap cheap, exactly that uh, like reaps all the benefits of nanotechnology but isn't you know super expensive to make so this kid is this kid this grad student he's like (laughs) he's he's like 25, He's right? 25, which is amazing. Young. I think it's cool. This whole this article yeah. was in the San Francisco Chronicle. Right. And I think it's cool. I don't even... I wonder how they found him. Because yeah. grad students are often pretty overlooked. Right. I agree. <laughs> We're all just you working know? in the background. And, and I mean, his... Not, I think it's his advisor even says, like... Or someone else in the in the materials department there is like this guy is doing like Nobel Prize winning work Ooh, and that's cool. That's really cool to He have can some. have his gigantic flavor flavor. That's right. metal <laughs> Any time. Twenty six or whatever. I think this article is cool because it also mentions other things they're trying to do like now because I think part of the problem with this whole global warming thing is mm-hmm. all of these ideas that they're coming up with, they're like, well maybe we could implement them in 20 years or 50 years, but what this guy wants to do is implement it now. Right. Yeah. And start, you know, reducing the problem now instead of waiting. Right. Trying to come up. really important. Yeah, because it's like, do you wait to come up with the absolute perfect technology when, and then by the time you figured it out, it's already done way more damage than if you just come up with something that basically works now and, And if it's cheap, you can afford to try it out, and if it doesn't work, you haven't wasted that much money. Exactly. Good point, Susan. Yeah, cool. I, I just think that's cool amazing. Guy. It's pretty inspiring. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you find the article. It's cool, and yeah, it's like it's in a newspaper too. It's like because it gets into a lot of detail for a newspaper, which is nice mm-hmm. too. Because sometimes we feel like when we're we're writing that when they tell us to write for newspapers, we're always supposed to really make things simple and easy so that you know Mr. and Mrs. Front Porch can understand it. But I think people get into this I stuff know. if they're given they a chance. Think people are stupid. People yeah. are not stupid. Yeah. You don't have to like spell it out in three-year-old terms, you know, <laughs> like, people are generally fairly intelligent. If you interest them, they'll, they'll listen. Exactly. And if they don't understand something, they'll look it up. Right. Or, they'll yeah, or ask someone it. who knows. Or, yeah, I think it's, it's good to see stuff like this out it there. It is. Cool. Which leads us into the whole thing we want to talk to you about, which is we would like to find out what our listeners are doing in the way of science. So nice. if you're a graduate student, we can't give you a Nobel Prize, but <laughs> you can write to us and we would like to interview you either through email or maybe even like through an audio thing. Yeah. I'm not sure how that would work. I'm not sure I have time. We would send you some questions and we would feature you on our website nice. for a week, but we really want to know what you're doing. So... Yeah, like if you're in the lab or if you're doing ecology stuff or whatever you're doing, just write to us like maybe a paragraph and tell us what you're doing and why it's cool and Yeah, and we'd love to chat with you and hear more about like, you know, yeah, field work, whatever it is you're doing. I think that'd be really fun. Anything. Or if you're a teacher and you're doing some kind of science education thing with your class, tell us about that. Or if you're a guy who like helps monitor the weather for the National Weather Service, like, Oh, Pete Smith up in uh 
Yeah. Los Gatos measured the temperature <laughs> at 57 degrees this morning. Well, yeah, that's cool, too. Like, if you're doing science of any kind, we want to write hear about to it. us. Yeah, because yeah. we want to, like, talk to the unsung heroes of science, which I think are, like, students and just, you know, random researchers that are doing cool stuff that aren't, you know, just because you're not, you know, some rock star doesn't mean that you're not doing cool stuff. And you're a rock star to us, That's even if you're right. not a rock star to your advisor. That's right. You're a science genius girl's rock star. That should count for You're something. a science genius listener. Woohoo! Yeah, so write to us. That's your job this week, okay? Because right. we know we have graduate students listening. We've had people write to us. Yeah. One girl a few weeks ago wrote to us, and she's like, do you have any tips on how to finish your thesis? Oh, <laughs> it's like, lots of coffee, honey. Lots and lots just of coffee. write it. And drink a lot of coffee. Yeah, that's pretty much what got me through writing Which, what I've learned now is that the coffee is no longer working. Oh. Hmm. I have to drink like three cups to have an effect. Wow. Okay. And then I just have to peel off. <laughs> but if you're just starting out on the caffeine curve, yeah. <laughs> it's a little easier. But cool. Okay, and also if you guys want to just write us about anything else or, you know, things that you... We always are looking for stories, so... Anything yes, or if you about? want to write a review of us on iTunes and talk Ooh, about how nice and wonderful we are. That's right, and how we're funny and smart, too. That'd be great, guys. Yes. Yeah, if you want to write mean and awful things about us, then, you know, <laughs> don't. <laughs> then just don't listen. Yeah, then don't listen. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, great. Cool. All right. All right, well, thanks for listening. Thank and... you, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, bye. Bye. Oh, how do I stop it? <laughs>